And we are on Hollywood Boulevard. We sure are. Hello, everyone. Nice to be back. Hope you are all doing okay. Karen, how are you? Well, it's been a rough day. And um, as as you had mentioned when we were on the block, um, we had a conversation. We I, I was having a bit of a rough day, so we had a conversation before you know several hours ago before I had even seen the episode. And um, and and you were like, oh well, you know the episode is you know gonna give you an even worse day. And then we were <laughs> sort of talking mm-hmm. about something, and you let it slip that October faction <laughs> which I had talked about last week on last on the last episode uh you know on the last back on the block and how we enjoyed it even though it was like you know bad you know costumes monster costumes from like costumorama um and then you laid it on me that the show got canceled so yeah I mean it's not like I made the call it wasn't embargoed information that I let slip um I and I for some reason, I thought that we had it. discussed it last week because I think when you mentioned you were going to talk about it, and I looked into it, I saw perhaps on the Wikipedia page that October Faction had been canceled. But I guess I, I, didn't, I didn't tell you, and that. I guess it didn't make it on the podcast. <laughs> and so, to give a quick shout out to friend of the podcast listener Russell Lehrer, uh, he said, "Yeah, uh, you'll have to break it to your friend that October Faction uh, was canceled." And I was saying, "Oh, isn't it so great?" One of our friends was listening, and he said to tell you about October Faction being canceled, and she said, wait, what? And I said, oh, shit. And, <laughs> and I was like, thanks, Doug. <laughs> so, you know, I can make a, a, a really great day that much better. <laughs> so, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, that's our update on October Faction, which ev- apparently everybody knew except for me. Uh, it was canceled. So, um, but the good news is I have had no time to see anything this week. So this is all you. All right. Doug in the driver's seat on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, what I thought I could talk about is we've now caught up to a few different, um, documentaries and most of them are streaming. I think almost all the ones we have seen have been on Netflix, except for, for a couple we've also seen on HBO. And um, I I feel like there's kind of something lacking about the art of the documentary. But let me tell you about the ones that we've seen. Okay, can I ask a question first? Um, Always. Okay, why why did you guys go on this documentary binge? Well, I think we like real-life things and true-life things and sensational things and... um, I don't know, sometimes it's easier to watch than some scripted things, and I think we've also run out of some scripted things, so all of those. Which I think Uh we had discussed a bit last week that we were both feeling like there was, like, we're kind of running out of stuff we want to watch. Yeah. And, like, we're kind of, like, bumping up into this thing where we're like, oh, maybe we could watch that, and then it's like, yeah, no. Yeah, in fact, I was just talking to uh, an old colleague of mine, and I basically broke up what we were watching into, I think, four quadrants. Um, we're watching, and you know, like we discussed, so the reality stuff, the Bravo shows, the Housewives, Below Deck, that sort of stuff. The cooking shows, all that Food Network has to offer. Um, old movies, 
like TCM, Turner Classic Old Movies, um, that my fiancé and I are basically watching together now for the first time. We've seen most of them separately over the oh, course of the Oh, that's fun. That that's is, really fun. We can probably talk about that sometime, too. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth is, like, the new stuff. So as things um, are still released or dropped, as the kids say, uh, uh, we watch them. Um, and sometimes it's my choice, and, and sometimes it's hers, and sometimes there are things that we're both excited about. Um, like, I think we were both excited about or interested in... Uh, Bully Coward Victim, which is a new documentary about Roy Cohn, um, who, I, I mean, I guess there's was renewed interest in him since he became a major character in Angels in America back in the 90s. Um, so we watched that. I'll tell you the ones we watched. We watched Disclosure on Netflix. You were talking just last week specifically about Laverne Cox. And this is a documentary that I believe she co-produced and uh, is one of the main people on talking about trans representation in Hollywood. Or okay. in the- um, and we also watched the Jeffrey Epstein four-part documentary. Ah, I want to see that one. I'm curious how that was. And we also watched the self-produced documentary about David Foster, the really, really, really successful music producer slash ex-husband to one of the Beverly Hills Housewives. Uh, oh. Okay, so here's the thing. Don't watch the David Foster documentary. It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> so it's full of self-aggrandizement. Um, I mean, I can talk about him a little unless you know who he is. I kind of don't. He's kind of had, like, the Midas touch as a music producer. He's made hit after hit, hit record, hit album, hit soundtrack, won numerous Grammys. He is basically the one who, at least according to this, was the one who thought of everything for the Bodyguard soundtrack. Um, he composed, I believe, a really famous theme. Do you remember the instrumental saxophone theme for the St. Elmo's Fire movie? Yeah. Well, that that's him. And they barely even, they don't even talk about it in this documentary. That was fucking iconic. That's exactly the word. That is exactly the word. That is a perfect example of how an instrumental theme can actually be its own character and, like, tell you everything you need about a story and represent the story. Well, they don't talk about that in this. They talk a lot about his marriages. They talk a lot about his arrogance. And he takes credit for discovering people like Michael Buble and um, Josh Groban and even for molding Celine Dion into the star she is. So a lot of that is probably true. There's probably a lot of stuff that's not talked about. In each I was going to say, who would brag about that? But okay, yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right? I'm kidding. <laughs> it's just not my thing. But, um, no, I mean, like, it's not chronologically told. There's no real theme to any of it. It's amazing how transparent he is about what uh, a bad husband and non-present father he was. Um, but by the end, like, there's no real there there. Um, it's, it's kind of extraordinary, actually. I'm on his Wikipedia right now looking at all the people that he's worked with, and it's, like, Alice Cooper and Air Supply. Holy shit. Like, it doesn't get, like, what? That's so different. Yeah. And, and and also Chicago, but... And J-Lo. Th- 
Oh, I don't think I knew about Jake. And Rod Stewart and Barbara Streisand. I, I and did it's know like, about Rod Stewart. And crazily, Barbara Streisand is even interviewed briefly in the beginning. They talk about how he did a new arrangement for the song Somewhere from West Side Story when she did her, her one-voice album in the middle of the 80s, the one that she did the concert in Central Park for, um, and how he's like, I rearranged it because I didn't like the way the original orchestrations were. I swear I thought that my fiancé was going to throw the TV out the window when he said that. <laughs> I mean, I will say this. It's like kind of an extraordinary diverse, uh, you know, artist. I mean, his, his whole career is success after success after success. Anyone who wanted to be a hit, you begged for him to, like, choose you. Um, but there's no real insight into what it – and there's also into any of his – individual hits and there's no real insight as to like well what does he do specifically there's producing there's arranging there's composing there's writing those are different things and it the this documentary doesn't delineate what any of those are it talks more about his marriages and his kids than than it does about any individual album or or record well that's stupid i mean i guess i I guess yeah, I mean, one big tacky, unilluminating work. I mean, are they just kind of like, like that, like kind of almost like spinning off on that Real Housewives franchise, and that's why they're looking at that instead of his body of work. It gets on that close to the end of uh, the thing, and uh-huh. it basically just says, like, in the two thousands, there was a new chapter of his life and career, which was you could see him on reality shows because there was one about his his kids called was it the princes of malibu and then he talks about and you also saw me when i was married to yolanda then foster uh when she was on several seasons of the real housewives of beverly hills and the only real takeaway anyone has at least on twitter that i've seen has been he says he divorced her it seemed rather abrupt publicly like four years ago five years ago he says, the reason I divorced her had nothing to do with her Lyme disease, which some people have said she faked. I'm not here to say anything yes or no about that. <laughs> um, but people are saying, are people saying that, is David Foster saying that she didn't have Lyme disease? I'm like, I don't think that's what he said, but he was kind of a bitch about it in the first place to bring it up and then say, I'm going to give you a tell-all documentary about myself and then not tell you something and tell you that I'm not going to tell you that kind of that, uh, that kind of like uh pussy phoning around. Right. Just thirsty as the kids say. Right. Okay. So fuck him. So that's, so that's one. Not fuck a great him, documentary. Fuck that. All right. So what, what did you, what documentary did you enjoy? Um, well, enjoy is the wrong word for the Jeffrey Epstein one, but I liked it. I found it kind of, fascinating oh please tell um because i want to see that one it's four episodes and you know what it's like it's like an old it's like an older true crime episode like one episode would have been cut into four parts like on investigation discovery or something like that okay um like a vanity fair confidential type thing like a Dominic Dunn when he was doing yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um, and it goes in it goes into 
a little bit, but not too much about how he basically just like always grifted his way through life. Like he bluffed his way into a teaching job at the Dalton school here in New York, even though he didn't finish college. It talked about he bluffed his way into Bear Stearns um, and, and somehow always got a pass, even when his lies were found out. And then ultimately had amassed so much money, had like six different properties, including a mansion on Fifth Avenue and 71st and a private island um, where he and, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell were were finding women from real rough upbringings and rough homes and trafficking them and how he was taking advantage of all of them or loaning out, loaning them out to other people so that they could be taken advantage of sexually. Oh, so I'm wondering, did this shine new light on anything? Because one of the things that I've been trying to wrap my head around since all of this Epstein shit broke was, like, how he grifted his way through life. I mean, how do you go from college dropout, who was the teacher at the Dalton School, to having a private island? I mean, because, you know, for fuck's sake, he started out as a teacher. We all know how they get paid. You know, so, it, it, you know, like, I'm just finding... The trajectory no, of his so wealth, extraordinary. You won't get that. You won't get, there's, there are two things that I really think should be explored here or somewhere that aren't. So if you knew about the fact that there were all these allegations starting in 2005, 2006, you kind of already know the facts. But right. it doesn't tell you things like, so, I mean, he was beyond the law. He had so much money and so much power. He had dirt, I suppose, on everyone, always got his way, always got out of everything, always had a friend somewhere. Even at the end, that's why some people think he maybe didn't kill himself and was just disappeared somewhere to live privately. Um, It doesn't show, like, this does not look into, well, how do you get that much power? How do you go from being a normal person to getting that much power? It just doesn't. Um, And it... I think I had a second point, but I forgot what else I thought it didn't really uh, go into. Maybe it'll come back to me. So but what case... it does do, it gives a voice to a lot of his the survivors. Oh, of, it of does. Okay, good. And that's and that's why I think it, it, it is significant enough. Okay. Um, they get their voice because they never really had their day in court with him. Not many people got to testify. And then in the end, he was dead before they ever right. got to have more of a reckoning. They'll, yeah. they'll never actually be able to sort of like have a reckoning with him, like yeah. ever. Um, you know, I guess with what's her name? Jill, how do you say her name? Ghislaine, which I Ghislaine. didn't know how to pronounce it until um, I saw this. We watched it just days after she was apprehended. Right. You know, maybe it they'll be. It, a- talks, it doesn't talk much about their relationship either. Hmm. Um, or, which was also somehow, a curious relationship. Somehow she encountered a lot of these women. We don't know exactly how. We don't know how she was able to really coax them into coming to stay with them slash work for them, um, and 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 really what her like beyond what her role is like, a sort of a pathology of why was she willing to be a part of this or interested in becoming a part of this network that they built together. Um, a lot of the people. On the other side, people that were like public defenders that were negligent along the way, obviously neither Jeffrey Epstein nor Ghislaine, um, none of them speak. So you don't hear a lot from the other side. You just hear a lot of so-and-so declined to comment, so-and-so didn't say, refused to cooperate, that sort of thing, which 
is not a surprise, um, sort of weakens a bit of the piece as a whole. You know, what I said to Alyssa was, if this was an article for the New York Times or for Vanity Fair and you couldn't get those people to talk, you probably had to kill the story. Right. But we do we do get them here. So it's significant because you get these women to, to actually um, share their experience and, and illuminate it a bit more. It's so funny because back in the, I guess early 2000s uh you know there were there were like little little rumors in new york about like this that was like this thing that was going on and i remember being at a club having dinner it was like at the time where like a like paris hilton dancing on tables at these like clubs downtown and and like downtown club scene was like weird because it was like there were clubs but you would have dinner like they also had dinner and it was like a thing where you would go and have dinner and party and like the food was I guess pretty good or it was like very expensive and I can't remember the name of it it was down in the village and I had been and somebody took me there and and I think that's where I had first and and this person that happened to take me who I happened to go with uh, had money um and was involved in politics and but in a different state, not New York, um, and and actually was like talking to me about like this rumor, but never mentioned Epstein. But it was like basically like, you know, young girls or not young, you know, teenage girls. Um, I mean, yeah, young girls, is fair. young girls, really, you know, um, teenage girls and, and women being basically like trafficked in this like private island where all of this like you know horrendous shit would go down like it was so weird because it was like and I just always was like that's such bullshit yeah Yeah. there's no way come on now you would get found out you know and but I you know I'm so naive sometimes we only know what we know yeah yeah and now we know more and now we know more so I do recommend it. Okay. Um, uh, it may be hard to, I don't think it's particularly explicit. Um, I, you know, it's just truthful. I don't think it's too hard uh, to watch, but that may be different for others. But it's worth it to, uh, to hear the women speak and, and tell their story. I think it's important to get their voices out there. Yeah, so. yeah, I think so too. Um, and similarly, uh, Disclosure on Netflix um, is also important because I think it is all trans people talking about the portrayal of trans lives on screen. Um, So you'll get to see and hear perhaps a lot of performers that you might not and and who deserve more attention, um, both for past and current and hopefully future accomplishments that uh, the industry will allow them to come their way. you know, it basically talks about the history of the portrayal of um, trans characters even before we had the term trans in mm. the modern parlance, um, and how it was so often used to debase or other or show that they were holding secrets and were frightening or plotting people. And, and so it catalogs a variety of um, instances, I mean, going back to... D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation, um, 
sometimes it talks about the intersection of race and trans lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was interesting. I don't know that I agreed with every point they made. Um, and sometimes I think it's also just a case of, well, we know better now. Right. We did right. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's also on Netflix a worthwhile, um, um, to watch. And interestingly enough, I mean, Halle Berry just, um, yeah. Underwent. I like, I didn't even know that she was involved in this film until the news hit that she was dropping the role of playing a trans. Uh, yeah. Role I must have heard the same time. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know if like, the news just came out and she dropped it immediately once the news hit or, or if this was sort of like ongoing, but, um, but, and rightfully so she should, I, I, I still don't understand why you would have like why Hollywood does this. I mean, I do, I guess, logically where like the producers think bankable star, like, you, do you know what I mean? Like that when they're, when they're looking to cast something, you know, it's yeah. always like, well, let's get the bankable star still have to sell this story. Somehow. Right. But it still kind of like baffles me when it's like, you know, a story about a trans man. Well, let's cast a, a straight, you know cisgender yeah why would you do that yeah i understood why it had happened in the past but but i can't i just i'm I'm shocked that people think they can still do it now and what was it scarlett was it scarlett johansson played a character that was not white or who 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 was the other one that did, did that scarlett had a couple different things right because one she did ghost in the shell right she voiced an asian character in that okay she she played an asian and then and then there was another one she was going to play a trans i think it was a a real life story and she was going to play a trans person and unlike Halle berry did not immediately drop that i think she like gave a really shitty interview. Yeah, I think she was trying to justify. Yeah, and then because yeah. that blew up even bigger against her, she finally said, never mind. Yeah, I mean, that that is just to me like, the fuck? Like, why yeah. would you do that? Or like, you know, when you have, you know, a disabled character and they, and they cast an able-bodied person in that role and you're just like, but why? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. but why? Why would you do that? Like, this is, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. So yeah, anyway. I mean, I think we'll moving forward see a lot less of that. But it's always amazing when a big star right now doesn't realize how how things have shifted yet. Yeah, it's extraordinary to me that like a lot of times like they can't read the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm always like sitting there shaking my head, going optics, optics, optics. Totally. Isn't there anyone Optics. advising them that maybe this is not the best idea? This is now. Now is not the time. You know? So, so yeah. yeah, I agree. Okay. Um. Well, okay. So quickly, the one HBO documentary we saw yeah. about Roy Cohn was actually produced by the granddaughter of the Rosenbergs, who were the couple that were sent to death, ostensibly by Roy Cohn. But if you don't know much about that story, you won't learn 
much about it from this documentary, oddly enough. Um, this documentary focuses on Roy Cohn's years in the 80s. Um, it tries to... Now, Roy Cohn was um, uh, a closeted gay man. Uh, and But within the closet, like, you know, he partied hard and and it was an open secret and he had a lot of men that he was with, say, in Studio 54 and in Provincetown and stuff like that. And kind of all the movie wants to do is talk to a lot of the people that saw that side of him exercising power when he was out with a lot of men. Okay. Um, it's sort of a less interesting side and one that I think has, you know, we've sort of already seen. But the other thing that this uh, documentary does is just tie everything back to Donald Trump. There isn't a photo that Mike Cohn took with Donald Trump that I don't think doesn't show up in this documentary three times. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and they make a point of saying how, you know, by the end of Roy Cohn's life when he was dying of AIDS, but he was calling it liver cancer that Donald Trump wasn't there. Like, then who cares? Then there's not a story there. Um, but like, they make everything about his relationship to Trump. Um, which a lot of things do now. A lot of things say like, well, they were both in the same circle 30 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever it was. And it's like, I mean, you can drop Trump's name in there as often as you want. It doesn't make it more relevant. It doesn't give you a real reason to tell the story. Right. Um, so I was just a little surprised because I thought it could have been, you know, a, a bit more visceral to, to learn about the personal effect Roy Cohn had on this person's whole family for generations, but that's not really the story they're telling. Um, conversely, uh, about a year, a year and change, I guess, ago, the HBO also did the uh, documentary The Inventor about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Mm -hmm. Did you see that? Mm -mm, no. So Alyssa had seen that before and read the book that it was based on called Bad Blood, um, and she was, like, obsessed with it. So we watched it together again. That is a perfect documentary. Really? Yeah. Because they get to talk to people on both sides. They talk I to found, Elizabeth Holmes. I found the story itself fascinating. And I've, it is. And it's been on my, oh, I want to watch that list. Yeah. That's a, that's a big recommend for me. Okay. Um, yeah, because they talk to people on all sides. Um you feel that you're kind of getting unvarnished truth from everyone. Um, and I don't even, my take on her is I don't even believe that she was just selling a lie and sabotaging anyone who got in her way. I think she was just so obsessed that she, she was onto something and it was doable and she just needed more time and more money and more resources and was used to getting everything she wanted because she always had because she was smart and came for money and was always able to get more money and never thought about the fact that she maybe needed to be policed or was misleading people. And so I, I suggest you see it to learn more. Highly recommend it, though. Worth worth watching. That's so kind of like wild and amazing to think that like people can just operate like that. I mean, you know, it's just like the way that's just the way they exist, you know, like, in, can you imagine? In, in a sense, you can tie that back to Roy Cohn and to Jeffrey Epstein because they're all sociopaths. Yeah. Like they're not in their right mind. Yeah. But then also having nobody there to correct the behavior, right? Like, uh, that's exactly the thing. When you have a certain amount 
of power because of fame, money, nobility, whatever. You always have people to clean your messes. So you don't know their messes. You don't care about the damage. And that's basically what happens. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So those are the documentaries I've seen. Again, I would say The Inventor and Disclosure and then the Jeffrey Epstein four-parter. I, I would recommend certainly the highest being the inventor, but amid all this watching, we also discovered a Showtime show that had its first season aired this winter, probably ended right around the time that the pandemic began. Okay. Um, and it's called Work in Progress. And this is undiscovered gold. It's eight episodes and it will be completely shut out of everyone's end of season and Emmy conversations. But this is the show of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Really? Yeah. It's such an easy, satisfying watch. Um, Created by a comedian named Abby McKennedy, who came up from second, came up through second city. In fact, Stephen Colbert was her teacher. Mm. And I, uh, sorry, I paused for a second because my AC did something weird. But, oh. um, um, it's about a woman in her, I guess, late forties or 50. Uh, she, I mean, I'm trying to find the delicate word to say she's kind of overweight and wears a tucked in shirt and trousers that do not flatter her. And she has glasses. Um, she, she is gay and also uh, deals with several mental health issues, including anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and if it sounds like the, the character who I think is a semi-fictionalized reflection of the real person, if that, if that description reminds you of the It's Pat sketch on yeah. That is actually a major plot point in the show. Julia Sweeney, who was It's Pat, is on the show as a medicate version of herself as well. Oh, and, okay. and the Abby character like calls her out on the actual damage that character did for people who are like her in real life. And it's kind of fascinating. Really? Yeah. Um, and everything about, yeah, everything about her life she has a nine to five temp job. Like she is not some major, like ambitious career. You know, her, her apartment is fairly meager. Like it's not the way you typically see it in a TV show where it's in a fancy building that no one could afford at that salary, that sort of thing. Everything feels right and lived in. And uh, the major focus of the season, aside from her friends, most of whom are in the lesbian community is that she embarks on a relationship um, with someone who is trans. And it treats that relationship very, I think, astutely, as in addition to, to delicately. Um, it was just such a rewarding watch. We binged it. Um, it was a show that we just sort of heard about and earmarked as something we should watch. And um, eventually, you know, the time came. We're like, okay, let's give this a shot. And we loved it. So, you know, I've seen Showtime promoting some of its shows at the end of the year. I see them promoting 
uh, the, the loudest voice, that Roger Ailes thing, and the final season of Homeland, and the new Penny Dreadful. But I don't see that show thrown in the mix, and that's a real shame. I think it will come back, but I think it will be currently forgotten. And so I don't know. I'll just keep doing whatever I can do to, to throw that in the mix. Um, I don't have Showtime, but uh, hopefully it'll show up somewhere um, so I can, I hope. I yeah, can watch it. I hope at some point. Yeah, because it sounds really good, and I would really like to see that. Uh, yeah, it is It is really good. And it's just four hours altogether. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Abby McKennany is really, it's one of the great performances of the season on top of the show being so terrific. So if you haven't discovered it or heard of it, um, watch Work in Progress. And I, if you don't get Showtime, hopefully there's another way to find it. Um, if you have watched it, I'd be curious to hear your take on it, though. Yeah, because I never heard of it. So um, this is the first I'm sure you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, I assume I'm not alone, too. So, sounds like you had quite a a good week. Yeah, all told. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Um, oh, did we talk about this last week that Broadway is shut down till January? Oh, we did. We did, right? Yeah. We did. No, we did. Okay, it. sorry. I can't. It's so hard to remember now with everything. That's right. We did, and we talked about it feeling like, oh, well. <laughs> so, again, again, I will say, um, yeah, I don't miss it. I hope that when it does come back and I want it to come back, um, I will I will enjoy going to the theater again. And maybe the absence will will uh, make my heart grow fonder. Do you feel more rested, though? I mean, <laughs> you know, I should. But you don't. But I don't. <laughs> there's there's yeah, there's something very uh, uh, not resting about this current moment for me. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's maybe because we're all trapped in our houses. We're all we're all agitated and uh, under confinement, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's been an exhausting few months with everything swirling around. Yeah, no, I, I have to I have to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So hey. Oh, so so here's the thing. We yeah. are probably not going to be on the boulevard next week because we're going to be doing a two hour recap on back on the block. Right. So, You'll probably catch us here in two weeks' time. Yes, um, but you can always hear us, uh, you know, our dulcet tones uh, talking about Melrose Place. In the meantime, give us five stars on iTunes because Please. you love us that much. Please. Please. Um, yeah, it's helpful for the podcast, and we want to keep it going. Um, meanwhile, we're always open to suggestions of things to see, watch, listen to, read, talk about. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, and hit us up on uh, for, with those on what is it back on the block pod on Facebook. That's right. We're we'll always respond. Yes, we will. All right. So, Doug, you have yourself a great week. Thanks, Karen. You have I mean, a great I'll talk week. To you I'll you talk got. To you. Yeah, yeah, you will. I will. Um, and you guys, if you're interested, look up uh, Karen's book. Yeah, thanks. Shameless Remember, plug. El Greco. El Greco, not Karen Greco. El Greco. Um, but yeah, if you uh, if you're a romance reader, give it a look. I would appreciate it. Yes, please. So you guys take care. Be good. Feel good. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.